Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I've got people to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. The stock market is supposed to be a forecasting machine. Generally, stocks reflect what the economy might look like in six months. And as an investor, you have to anticipate what will work in that time frame and what won't. But after another shocking day, particularly for the sell in May and go away crowd, where the recovery stocks roared, the Dow gaining 533 points, S&P climbing 1.48%, NASDAQ convincing just 0.77%, the market does not lend itself to that easy divining. Right now, the future is too binary. So the market feels much more like a horse race where there can be only one winner in a very crowded field of contenders. But it's a long race, and we're still far from the home stretch. So it could go either way. All right, who's running in this race? The first group is a subset of the Kramer COVID index, the stocks that enable the stay-at-home economy. Think everything from Zoom video to uh, Papa John's Domino's. Hey, by the way, Papa John's put up a stunning number, 33% same-store sales. Unheard of numbers, so that's good news for that horse. Second group, the recession-proof stocks, mainly the food and the consumer packaged good plays, especially the ones that make cleaning your personal hygiene supplies. These staples all thrive during the lockdown, and of course, because of worries about COVID, hey, but COVID may be waning, lockdown. Lockdown's ending. Third, you've got the industrials. Those are the companies that manufacture everything from chemicals to paper boxes to machine tools to steel to airplanes. Well, they've been to scratch for weeks, but now they're back on track. And how about that 737 Max that they've restarted that lineup at Boeing? Fourth, there's the beaten down nag that represents the travel and leisure cohort, including the airlines and all things tourism. Many thought these needed to be put down because of the pandemic, but turns out they're not even lame. Fifth horse, the drug stocks, especially the ones that are working on a cure or a vaccine for COVID-19. They're lathered. They're ready. Six, retail and restaurants, the ones forbidden fruit that are now open for business. Maiden claimers, we call them. Seventh is pure tech, the semis, the softwares, and the cyber securities. Well, they're stalwarts. The eighth horse, home and home improvement. Didn't even know I'd make it into this derby. Ninth, the financials, especially the banks, didn't even know they could still run until yesterday. And, and again today, I thought they had pulled up, pulled up lame. And finally, there's 10th. There's Fang, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Alphabet. Hybrid big tech companies that trade together because they're in the same ETS. Perennial first place finishers, triple crowns all. What's incredible in, is that this is a long race, people. It's longer even than the Belmont Stakes. So long that it's actually a multi-quarter affair. 
But there can only be one winner that pays big. But there are place and show stocks that are going to give you good return. Remember, I said the stocks predicted six months out future. So this is a gigantic number of furlongs just to even get to the far turn, let alone the home stretch. Sure, you can make a field bet, bet on every horse. That's called the S&P 500 because you want to capture the returns from both the good and bad horses. All groups traded up today. But, but you know, I'm talking about a winner-take-all race. And the S&P simply won't make as much money as picking the win, place, and show of this group. Of course, picking winners is hard. There are horses that are in the lead right now, but they could finish dead last when this race is over. But there'll be another right after that. First, who's in the lead? At the moment, believe it or not, it's the industrials in first, the banks in second, travel leisure third, retail and restaurants fourth, technology coming in hard at fifth. Uh, helped by a midday pre-announcement from Micron. Halsey at six, but then after the bell, we got a great number from Toll Brothers. So it's a close pack, and that makes sense, because right now this track belongs to all the companies that thrive in a low-interest rate environment where the future looks better than the past because we're opening America. We've heard from the industrials that things aren't as dire as they seem not that just a, a few weeks ago. As for the banks, J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon just came out yesterday. It was an amazing speech. He said we could be in for a quick recovery, something that would have seemed borderline impossible, if not Looney Tune, a few weeks ago. Travel and leisure. When you hear about theme parks reopening, when beaches are packed, it makes sense that these stocks would actually catch fire. Hey, it doesn't hurt that the group's jockey, Doug Parker from American Airlines, says the worst is over. Said it this afternoon. No wonder we learned this evening that Boeing is starting up that max line. Oh, and there's the cruise lines. Unsinkable numbers. Numbers that wouldn't exist if the Fed hadn't backstopped the credit, though. Uh, what about fourth place? Retail and restaurants. This is complicated. Most of these companies have been shut down since March when COVID-19 turned into a genuine pandemic. Macy's, Nordstrom, Kohl's shined again today. Why not? They're allowed to be open. Tech. It wasn't going anywhere until Micron pre-announced in midday and ignited a bunch of the industrial-oriented chip stocks. But this group could get a big boost from Workday, which had a terrific set of numbers this very evening. And we will speak to CEO Neil Bushry in a few moments about why that number was so strong. Finally, housing soaring because interest rates are low and people who live in cities are still eager to flee to the suburbs in response to the virus. This has actually got a name. It's called the counter-urban trade. Now, housing's moving away from the pack with these numbers. Again, Toll Brothers after the close. Now, what makes this race so hard to figure out is that the stay-at-home stocks are very much in the pack with these incredible numbers from Domino's and Papa John's. Recession-proof stocks are hanging in there but have no real oomph. Healthcare. Here's curious. After all that vaccine hubbub, there's not. These are. This is a bad group. Finally, for Ang, is either biding its time here or maybe it's uh, becoming a bitter disappointment. Is something wrong? It's all anybody, everyone seems to not want to know. Now, I know how it looks. For the most part, the lead horses are recovery plays. They're fueled by a belief that the grand reopening is off to a great start. So you have to abandon safety. Go all in. Maybe we get a vaccine sooner than expected. Fauci's talking about November, December. Maybe we can reopen safely as long as people wear masks. Either way, a lot of people are betting that we could go back to normal sooner than expected. The laggards are losing because who needs these steady eddy stocks when the economy's about to blast off? Anything great like Domino's or Papa John's dismissed as last good numbers they'll have. Funny thing, though, I'm betting the field will be spread out by the time we get to the home stretch, and many of the current winners will fall behind. Why? Because right now the bulls are focused on the wrong problem. I think they're confused. It's one thing to believe we're going to conquer COVID, and that will allow the economy to come roaring back. It's another thing entirely if you open up the economy and things are better, but we're still plagued by horrific levels of unemployment. That's what you have to focus on. It's not enough just to beat the virus, people. Every horse in that front pack also needs the economy to get so strong that we beat sky-high unemployment. Neither of these things is a sure thing. The triple V horses, that's what I'm calling them, triple V. That's the uh, V-shaped recovery. 
the vaccine invented, V for victory, might not even show, let alone place if unemployment stays in double digits. That's why I'm betting on the stay-at-home tech stocks. Even though we'll be able to go back to work at the office, I think it'll never be the same now. These companies have seen how much money they can save with remote work. I like Fang, too, which tends to thrive in a slow economy. And yes, I think a slow economy is more likely than a rapid recovery. Hey, this market's ignoring what happens when the bountiful unemployment benefits and paycheck protection program runs out over the summer, triggering a wave of small business bankruptcies. Bottom line, listen, I want to believe we'll have an amazing rebound. The recovery stocks will lead us all the way to the finish line. It would make a great Cinderella story. But there's only one secretary of people, and I think that's Fang. Even though the mega cap techs are in last place now, they're the ones I'll bet. I bet if people realize the economy looks a lot uglier once the stimulus goes away. No, the Fang stocks won't win going away as usual. Could be a photo finish. But they always own the home stretch. Vince in New Jersey. Vince! Hey, Jim. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about you, partner? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making me money. Let's go to work. Jim, I recently picked up some Planet Fitness. Now, being some states have opened up some gyms, do you see some upside to this stock? And could I add to it? I was a skeptic, okay? And then we had Chris Rondo on, the CEO. And I became a believer. And I think you're going to make money with that. Let's go to Ryan in Texas. Ryan! Booyah, Jim. How's it going? Pretty good day. How about you, Ryan? When the averages are up, people are happy. Well, how can I help? Hey, so today Costco came out with an auto program incentive on Chevy trucks and SUVs, allowing members $1,000 off purchase or lease on new 2019 and 20 vehicles. Now, Costco tomorrow reports after close. Is now a good time to buy? or what can Okay, we I'm going to tell you, I, I have, my travel trust owns Costco. I think the world, these guys went out to see them. But this was the quarter where they instituted a mask. You know, they, remember, they, they are a mask-only place now. And there are people who hate that. Uh, I think it's great, but people hate it. I, sp- I think the quarter may not be what you think. Let's wait until Thursday. Let's go to Brian, North Carolina. Brian. Hey, Jim. It's Brian from Huntersville, North Carolina. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. How about you? Doing good, doing good. Hey, Jim, huge fan. And, you know, I, I just want to thank you. You know, you've done so much for so many. Oh, thanks, man. And, you know, it's been years we've been watching you. Thank so. you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. So here's my question. So the sector recently hit a 52 week low, had a huge bounce in the past two weeks. You said you're a huge fan of the new CEO, Charlie Sharp. Is it time to buy Wells Fargo? Well, I mean, Charlie would tell me because he's a tough guy. Jim, the time to buy it was last week when the stock was at 23. That's Charlie with that dry sense of humor. Um, I would say that you got to wait for it to pull back because it just went up four straight points. But I'd rather bet with Charlie than against him. Uh, it's daunting because the bank stocks are so bad. But Charlie Sharp is that good. Now, I want to believe we'll have a terrific rebound and recovery stocks will soar. But I think, guess what? I know it's boring. I know it's repetitive. I don't care. Bang will own the home stretch. We'll make money tonight. HP just reported to the close with more working from home for people. Is it bring profits? I got the CEO. Then I'm pointing out two stocks that are not as they seem. I'll reveal the names and what it means for your money. And I'm talking to the CEO of Workday after earnings that look fabulous. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call 
at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC. Now that Wall Street's going all in on the prospect of a rapid V-shaped recovery, what does that mean for beating down tech hardware names? I'm talking about like HP, the PC and printing division of the old Hewlett Packard. We spent a lot of time talking about tech winners from the stay-at-home economy, but it's tough to imagine HP thriving in an environment where working in an office has gone out of style. Sure enough, when HP reported after the close today, the company posted a sizable revenue miss, down 11% year-over-year. But they still managed to put up a solid $0.07 earnings B off a of $0.44 basis. But somewhat worrisome, their cash flow numbers came in well below expectations. Management's guidance for the next quarter, I'm calling it light. Still, I think we need a clear picture, so let's drill down with Enrique Loris. He's the president and CEO of HP Inc. to get a better read on the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Loris, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Dean. How are you? Oh, I'm good, Enrique. Good to see you. Now, I, I want to tra- thank you. I want to try to understand uh, this quarter because this one was a little hard for me. Um, okay. the, the earnings beat sensational. But some of the lines, uh, including, say, free cash flow and how you're doing in uh, printers, uh, seemed uh, suboptimal to me, given the fact that with this work at home, I would have thought that everyone had to recreate their office work. So maybe you can walk me through the quarter and what I'm missing. Sure. So first of all, as you said, I am extremely proud about the results that we posted. We beat earnings by, by six cents which is, a, we believe, a very solid result. And I'm especially proud of how the whole company responded to the situation. And by the fact that, as you were saying, we have now an opportunity of making this brand even more essential than before. If I talk about the specific results, we saw very strong results and very strong demand on PCs. But we also saw a disruption on supply chain that impacted both PCs and also print. As we talked in our earnings in February, factories in China opened a few weeks later after Chinese New Year, and this has had an impact both in printers and in PCs. So we saw strong demand for home printers, but we couldn't ship because we had these supply chain issues. Oh, okay. So, but I know your inventory went up substantially. So uh, for this quarter, are you now set uh, in better shape than you were uh, when you were kind of caught uh, by China and COVID? Actually, the team has done a fantastic job getting the factories back to work. And at the beginning of May, we were almost at full capacity. And I say almost because given the current environment, there could be always surprises from us or from some of our suppliers. But we have really addressed the supply chain problems that we had. And we are now Q3. We will be addressing them in Q3. Okay. Now, you on our show introduced the concept that I like of the subscription business for Inc., now, you said that was strong in your release. Is there a way to quantify that so I know whether that is going to be something to look forward to since Inc. What used to be in the old days a really good part of the business? 
So this actually was one of the key positive trends that we saw in this situation. We saw a very significant increase of demand for subscriptions. If you remember when we were talking in February, I was sharing that we had 6 million subscribers. Yes. We surpassed 7 million subscribers early, late in April. So which is 1 million additional in, in less than a quarter. And even more important, we have seen 30% growth year on year on subscribers. And as you know, this is very important for us because this is how we want to drive the business going forward. So it's a significant support for the strategy that we have put in place. Okay, now in your strategic and financial plan for value creation in response to the uh, Xerox bid, we did talk about doing a lot more buybacks, but I guess because of COVID, you've got to be more conservative on that in terms of how much uh, stock you'll buy back. So first of all, we still think that buying back stores is good because we think it's undervalued. What we have shared today is that we are going to stay committed to the principles that we share in the value plan. We think we have an opportunity of raising debt. We also will be giving back to shareholders 100% of free cash flow. And as the situation will get more stable, we will become more aggressive in buying shares back and returning capital to shareholders. Okay, good. Now, the strength in notebooks was notable. Is that the, uh, with the dragonfly? Is that just the, the concept that you have that is a lighter, faster notebook that I know is be- uh, quicker than anybody else's? Actually, the demand for notebooks has been driven across the full portfolio. Dragonfly has been helping because it's a fantastic product, but we have innovation from Chromebooks to Elite Books to the, uh, to the top uh, of the gamma of the PCs, and we have seen very strong demand across the board. We have also seen very strong demand on education. Our kids are learning from home, and this gives us even more confidence about the personal system business for the future than what we had last time we talked in February. Okay, how much, how, uh, one of the great debates that we have right now on Wall Street is whether people are going to continue to stay at home and work at home. Now, a lot of their new work offices are HP. Is it your view that after all the money that's been sunk into doing that, that we're not just going to give up those home offices and that a lot of people are going to stay home uh, going forward? We think that for some particular jobs, they will, people will still will continue working from home, and this will be happening in many different industries. And actually, we see this as an opportunity. It's clearly an opportunity for personal systems, PCs, accessories, but it's also an opportunity for print because we have a strong position in office printing and in home printing, and we have the ability of connecting both for our customers. Okay, now 3D printing is something, you know, I've been, ever since it was rolled out, by yeah, 2016, I've been fascinated by it. It looks like you had the 3D printers going overtime for PPE, and I think you should talk about that because it's a, a great thing you did. You're probably the big, the, from what I can tell, the biggest donor. We, we actually probably are, and we are extremely proud of what we did with 3D printing this quarter. It was a key milestone for the category. We proved the flexibility that this technology has how important it is to be able to produce locally. And so, you know, we produce more than 2 million parts. And when I say parts, I don't make justice to it. We produce face shields, respirators, ventilators that went to hospitals to help doctors work in this very difficult situation. All right. And then last question. Uh, from your experience, uh, if your stock stays here, do you, do you think you're going to have to hear from Xerox again? Or do you think they realize it's just not the right time and not necessarily the right bet, so to speak? 
I think, Jim, it doesn't make sense for me to speculate on what others will do. Let me tell you what we are doing. We are very focused in execution, in executing our strategy, and we are now more confident than ever on our ability to create value for shareholders. We think this brand is an essential brand for people. We have demonstrated it this quarter, and this will help us to continue to create value in the future. All right. Great, Enrique. I'm glad you're safe and sound. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Great to see you, sir. Thank you. Okay, that's Enrique Lores, the president and CEO of HP Inc. Mad Money's back in for the break. Whenever stocks make extreme moves, money managers love to play a game. It's called mean reversion. It's the kind of thing they learn on some trading desk. The idea that extreme moves tend to be rolled back. Like there's some historical average stocks are naturally drawn to. Really, it's just a fancy way of saying that a big rally or a big decline has gone overboard. It's shorthand for things are good, but not this good. Or things are bad, but not this bad. And I think that's a useful framework for this market right now. Let me give you some examples, starting with one that many investors thought got too good. And it's Take-Two Interactive. Strauss Selnick, right here. I followed this video game company for ages, and I've been recommending the stock since it traded $15 years and years and years ago. It's at 134 now. Why? Because Take-Two knows how to make hit franchises and turn them into annuity streams. They've done it with Grand Theft Auto, the greatest entertainment franchise of all time, Red Dead Redemption, NBA 2K. Last week, Take-Two reported a quarter that was so good it looked like it must have been a typo. Even though, even knowing that millions of people were being forced to stay home and they had nothing else to do other than play video games, the sales and earnings were absolutely stunning. So the stock initially spikes to 150 on the news. But then on the conference call, management makes what I thought was an obvious point. This kind of strength probably isn't sustainable. People go back to work in the short term. We're also not predicting any new big releases. I also knew that. In response, the stock makes a sickening pirouette lower, even though Take-Two was really just doing what it always does, which is under promise so it can overdeliver. Suddenly, the so-called smart money's out of Take-Two, leaving the remaining shareholders frightened, nauseated, and asking, what the heck is wrong with this company? But the truth is, there's nothing wrong. Take-Two had a spectacular quarter, and then they pointed out that the grand reopening of the economy, things, well, you may not play as much. Stock, which fell 10 points yesterday, bounced four points today. I think there's a lot more room to run on the upside. On the other hand, let's talk about the mean reversion equation of Southwest Air. Symbol LUV, love. Southwest is easily the best-run airline out there, but for the past few months, that really meant that they were the best house in a real bad neighborhood. Who cares if the company's well-run when the planes are grounded? Business has been so bad that Southwest had to sell 70 million shares at 28.50 at the end of April, $1 billion in convertible senior notes, and of course, they had to take federal government money. The horror. Unlike many other groups, the airlines didn't, uh, didn't bottom in March. They kept getting hit. Finally, though, Southwest traded all the way down to 22 earlier this month, off more than 60% from where it peaked in February, and that's where it stopped. We don't know why. Maybe it's because Warren Buffett finished selling the darn thing. He had a, t- he had a 10% position, something that can destroy any stock. Then the economy starts reopening, and a few more people book flights. Still not great, but better than nobody flying. Of course, the terrific CEO, Gary Kelly, told us recently on Squawk on the Street that it really doesn't matter whether you're allowed to fly if there's nowhere to go. Hold it. Theme parks making plans to open. Travel bans being lifted. Beaches wide open. Actually, a reason to travel if you want to take the risk. So next thing you know, Southwest stock catches fire. The darn thing was up 12% yesterday. And even after that jump, it's still down dramatically from its highs. And it could have more upside if we keep getting good news about the economy. If you put on that giant offering and held on, you are now up nicely. Yeah, it's bad, but not that bad. Stocks like this or the retailers like the Macy's of the world, the Kohl's, the restaurants, the cruise ships, Carnival Royal, the Norwegian, which, you know, I like. They keep running until they reach the other end of the spectrum. And people realize that, yeah, it's good. 
but not that good. Dan in Maryland. Dan. Jim, I've been staking out Bloomin' Brands, BLMN. Is that onion going to make me weep tears of joy? No, or tears I, mean, of I, I like Bloomin'. I'll tell you why. There are so many competitors that are mom and pop shops, smaller restaurants, that won't make it in this new environment where you have to have, uh, you're still going to have social distance. Uh, and Bloomin' will make it. So I'm saying, <laughs> let's go to Jeff in New York. Jeff. Hi, Jim. This is Jeff from Western New York by the Great Sodas Bay. Oh, great to have you, man. What's up? Oh, my son William wants to know about a company he thinks is doing well. They were downgraded by City before earnings and upgraded by Refinitiv after earnings. The stock is up more than 10% since reporting. Here's my son William. Hi, Mr. Kramer. My name is William. I am 12 years old. I heard that Monster Beverage is doing well. As people get back to work, they're going to need a drink to get through the the hot summer days. What do you think about investing in Monster? Kids got horse sense. Not only do I see you, but I'll raise you the fact that a lot of their monster is sold at convenience stores. And now that people are driving again, they're going to be buying them at those kinds of stores. So I think you are dead right. I like your call. I like M-N-S-T. All right. Sometimes things just aren't how they seem. Case in point, Southwest and Take Two. There's much more man money ahead, including my Susan with Workday, fresh off that strong report. Then I'm taking the pulse of the airline industry with air lease and all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. What do we do with these cloud-based software stocks now that the economy is reopening? We just got results from Workday. A software as a service company that helps businesses automate all sorts of back office jobs, especially in human resources and finance. And the numbers? Well, we got to dig deep here. See, Workday delivered a slight revenue beat coupled with an earnings miss, but in a topsy turvy environment with many tech companies missing projections by a mile. I got to tell you, I thought this set of figures seemed downright amazing, especially when there were many doubters whispering that there could be a big whiff here. Just the opposite. Strength across the board. Much better than feared. So let's take a closer look with Neil Bushry. He's the straight shooting co-founder and CEO of Workday to hear more about the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Bushry, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, great to hear your voice. It's been a long time. It's been too long now, Neil. Uh, there are times when everything seems to go kerfluey in the world, and I expect a lot of numbers to be down. You hit everything. And not only that, but I think you've also got a couple of deals, with uh, one with Microsoft and one with Salesforce, that will just accelerate your uh, both earnings and revenue. How are you able to do these kinds of numbers in this environment? Well, first of all, I just want to say our hearts go out to all those folks affected by COVID-19. It's been a really challenging environment. I'm very proud of our team. You know, we, we executed really well in this environment. Uh, Workday's products are mission critical to businesses, essential businesses, all kinds of businesses. Uh, they're dependent on us for closing their books. They're dependent on us for paying their people, for tracking their employees. People are doing a lot of workforce planning right now to, to adjust for the environment and um, our, our team really, um, really stepped up in this in this last quarter. Now, I, I know on, that. On, uh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say on the two announcements, the, the Salesforce announcement is really critical. We really want to work with them. You know, Mark and I are very close friends, bringing our products closer together to to make it easier for people to have uh, one one view into how they're going to bring people back to work into the office. But also, I remember you telling me, watch this Tom Bogan. 
He's really smart. He's going to stay with the company after you bought Adaptive. I look at this Workday, and for those of us who actually know the product, no more, no more toggle back and forth. It's one page, right? It's one page. And, uh, and Tom was really the architect of our, of our partnership with Microsoft, where Microsoft becoming an, ad- an Adaptive planning customer, and, and we're going to uh, move Adaptive onto the Azure cloud. So it's, that, that's also a, a really great partnership that we get to announce today. All right. Now, the rapid bin, when I saw you in the street in San Francisco last, which seems like years ago because it was beautiful, sunny day, was that, you know what? And Neil's really got that human capital thing down. But the financial port, uh, part that he's been trying to do is stalling out. You can't do those numbers if that's the case. These must bo- both be accelerated. The, they, we had a very strong quarter for financials. Uh, you know, everything is is given the current environment, which is a challenging environment. But we uh, signed up a Fortune 50 customer, Fannie Mae, as a financials customer. We had many, many great wins uh, on the on the planning side. Our procurement applications did really well, uh, which really is a part of finance in many cases. So our, our new uh, friends at Scout landed Lowe's and Albertsons. Really exciting wins for them. But I'd say I'd say just in general, for companies that are not in the cloud, I think they're really struggling to run their systems, either either whether it's having the people staff or the lack of agility in the legacy systems. And so uh, when the world does get back to normal, I think the cloud companies like us and Salesforce uh, are going are gonna to continue to thrive and, and probably uh, see an acceleration in, in the move to the cloud. Now, I know you do a lot of work with universities. I know that they are really struggling. So a struggling university is more likely to order Workday in order to save money or less likely to order Workday because they're in disarray? I would say specifically for higher ed, uh, I think you take it university by university. Uh, Some of the smaller universities probably not able to take on a bigger project. Some of the larger universities, well-funded universities, they're still active in the marketplace. And when I took a, when I look at uh, what you're doing in terms of the actual uh, number money you take in, you started out, and I think it's important. I I don't do enough of it uh, of how horrible COVID has been for families for things, but I also know, and I don't ever you can never put a dollar amount on these things. But I do want to point out that you had seventy nine million dollars in additional expenses, which uh, for COVID, which these analysts don't seem to understand, do actually hurt your lo- your bottom line. Just just for the for that quarter, you know, I think we were we were fortunate to get out early in front of uh, in front of COVID. We shut our offices down early. We had insight into what was happening in Korea and Japan and other locations um, in, in Italy. Uh, really uh, sad situation in Italy. So we shut our office down, and then we thought about our employees. And very early on, we decided to give them a, a two week bonus, uh, uh, basically because everybody is struggling in this environment. You know, it might be uh, a significant other's lost a job or parents are struggling or child care. And so we just wanted to get ahead of that. And it was a it was a one time bonus payment that we did in Q1 to get ahead of oh, and know, the right thing to make to sure do. employees were well taken care of. Uh, last question. I've been working with Mark uh, to learn all about his uh, return to safety, return, I mean, the return back, the reopening. Are you part of that? Because the initiative is extraordinary time for companies that are really trying to figure out how to get back in the world. That's a big part of the uh, the partnership between Work.com and Workday is is to really make sure the systems are there, and a collection of CEOs are talking about this topic regularly to make sure we do it in a safe way, uh, and make sure that there are a real uh, set of standards on how to go back. 
when you're doing business with other companies, how do you make sure that the companies both adhere to the same uh, hygiene standards and sanitation standards? So there's a lot to think through. And, you know, Mark has been at the forefront of that. He's, he's fantastic. We talk fairly regularly. I've talked a lot more to, to Mark over the last couple of weeks than, you know, last than the last couple quarters. Uh, and I uh, really enjoy that friendship. It's been, it's been great to talk through all these things that we have to do to get people back into the office. All right, well, once again, Neil, congratulations on an incredibly difficult environment to be able to do such a great job for the quarter. Uh, and best of luck to you, sir. Thank you, Jim. It's good to hear your voice. Absolutely. Saying that's Neil Bushry, CEO of Workday, a company I've liked for a very long time, WDAY. Look, you beat headlines that will they deliver, not deliver. I am telling you, in this environment, this is an amazing quarter. Stick with Kramer. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus, special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. And then the lighting round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Over the lighting round, because we want to start with JC in Virginia. JC. Hey, Jim. How's it going? First oh, pretty good. How are you? Here. What's up? Hey, good, good, good. Hey, Jim. Uh, my question: um, Given the current tension between China and the U.S. and, and, and this new bill that that recently passed the Senate, like, like around last week or so, should I? Should, should I trust Baba and their word that they're ready to deal with whatever it no, is? No, Baba's the only uh, the reason I've been recommending Baba the whole way is they actually have American financial. So that's why I've never liked most of those other stocks. That's the one to stick with. Denise in Minnesota. Denise. Hey, Jim. Thanks to you and your staff for staying on the job and, and guiding us through this crisis. They are good. They're good. They What's are. going on? So, um, with an updated product line and packed campgrounds and a COVID crisis, what do you think of Winnebago? Just, heard, just heard him on air. I think this is a terrific story, and I think that glamping is back. And by the way, Camping World, don't forget, CWA, really good. I'm not ready yet on Thor. Okay, let's go. But, you know, Polaris, uh, Brian uh, had him on this morning. They sounded very good. Let's go to Greg in Virginia. Greg. Since Philadelphia Eagles, booyah to you, Jimmy Chill. Done your way. What's going on? Thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime listener. I want to get your opinion on waste management. Is waste that a good buy and hold? It's come down enough. It's paid its dues. I think it's fine. I'm not as worried about the recycling train. Let's go to uh, Renee in Texas. Renee. Hey, how you doing, Jimmy? Oh, man, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good, sir. I just wanted to know your thoughts on Carvana. Right, Carvana's an interesting story because the people in the actual business tell me there's no way they can make money. But sure enough, the stock is not going to go up. And when I thought that when they were on air, I thought they acquitted themselves very well. So I have to go with the trend here. I know that that may be, uh, you know, people tell me, Jim, you're not being rigorous enough, but there's a lot going on there. It's good. Tom in Florida, Tom. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. My stock is a, my stock is a Chinese online K-12 tutoring provider in China. The New York Stock Exchange symbol is GSX. No, C-H-G-G. I think you should sell that and be in Chang, okay? I don't trust that company one bit. Not as far as I can throw, which is certainly not very far. Let's go to Jared in Washington. Jared. 
Apple Capital Booyah to you, Jim. Good deal. Hey, me and my boy Ricky D love your show, man. We watch you every day. Oh, thank you. Too. What's going on? So, Jim. So, Jim. With June 4th earnings coming up and so many companies realizing the benefits of work from home, what are your thoughts on Slack? Everyone keeps thinking that Microsoft's going to wipe out Slack. I think that Slack's... I've liked Slack all the way down. I took a lot of heat for liking it when it got below 20. I like it now. I think it's still a buy. Good company. How about Chris in Florida? Chris. Jim, sir. Yo. So I got City at 42, and now it's up to 52. Should I hold on, or should I just pack out? Which, which one? City. City? Look, here's the good thing about City, okay? It's very inexpensive, but it's not allowed to buy back stock. So, I mean, I think you can ride the banks a little bit more. Remember, it's banned from buying back stock, and that's what it, that's what, what made it so special for me. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe. Jimmy Till. Yo. I wanted to ask you about data center demand, more specifically Switch, which went over its 52-week high this past week. You think that's it has a hot more room stock. to run? That's a hot stock. It's got... It has got many things going for it. I want you to hold on to it. Let's go to Judith in Maryland. Judith. Hi, Jim. Judith. How are you? I am good. How about you? I'm good. I'm thinking about my granddaughters who are five and seven. I'm starting to invest for them so they can buy a house when they grow up. And I'd like to know how you feel about Zynga. Zynga's making a comeback. Who would have thought it? You used to joke around with with, uh, David Faber all the time. Maybe too early to buy Zynga. No, I mean, Zynga's got games. They actually have games. They, they're getting it together. And the gaming industry is very strong, despite the fact that people feel that once this stay-at-home is over, it won't do well. I think you're okay. Let's go to Tim in Florida. Tim. Hey, what's happening, Jim? Uh, just checking on a, a company called uh, Good, uh, well, Gladstone Commercial. They uh, are, are offering 10% dividend. Don't trust it. Uh, and- Don't trust it. No, no, we don't buy. There's a bunch of stocks in the same business. We have no idea what they really own. I don't want you to own that stock. Let's go to Karen in New York. Karen. Hi, Jim. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Of course. I'm going to find out what you think about Cody. Um, what I think about Cody is Procter & Gamble. Why own a second-rate company hoping there might be a takeover bid when you can have Procter & Gamble down big from its highs and having a great quarter? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Kramer, you are super. You are awesome. I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer. Another day, another rally in the recovery stocks. I keep telling you this market is trying to look past the current recession, with Wall Street increasingly betting on a V-shaped recovery, where everything swiftly goes back to normal. For example, we know air travel is likely to stay depressed for a long time. It might take years for the industry to recover to pre-COVID levels. Just two weeks ago, the CEO of Boeing warned about potential bankruptcies about the major, among the major airlines. Yet the airline stocks have spent the last couple of days <laughs> soaring. We need to take the pulse of this industry, and the best way to do that is with Airlease, one of the largest aircraft leasing companies on Earth. They own nearly 400 planes, and they lease them to the airlines. Naturally, the stock got eviscerated in February and March, falling from the mid-40s down to 8 bucks at its lows. But since then, it's come back with a vengeance, rebounding to $30 as of today, even as the most recent quarter was considered to be, well, somewhat disappointing. So where's it going? 
Let's check in with Steve Udbar-Hazi. He's the founder and executive chairman of Airlease, who's a legend in the industry. Get a better read of what's happening on Mr. Udbar-Hazi. Welcome back to Bad Money. Hey, Jim. It's great to be back. All right, Steve. uh, Late breaking news here. We just found out that Boeing is restarting the 737 MAX building in Renton, Washington. Would they do that if they didn't think there was uh, maybe some good news coming from the FAA or the airlines? Yeah, they're working very closely with the FAA, the airlines, and the foreign regulators. And they restarted production today. I was up in Seattle yesterday with Boeing management. So they're more upbeat. They're making a lot of progress on the certification activities, uh, working very closely with the regulators. And our hope is by the end of the third quarter or latest early part of the fourth quarter, the airplane would get certified in the U.S. and then hopefully shortly thereafter in the foreign jurisdictions. And the goal is to get some airplanes delivered before the end of the year. Well, I think one of the reasons it's a good day on Wall Street is people got a little too negative. I was reading your financials the other day, and it's pretty clear that it's not like every airline is going bankrupt or going out of business. That's true. I mean, Jim, in the last uh, 20 years, the airline business has become the, uh, the mode of global mass transportation. Uh, just to give you an example, last year, four and a half billion airline passengers flew uh, on the global airlines. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a big percentage of the uh, population of the earth. And uh, not only in terms of passenger traffic, but cargo and uh, small packages and logistics, it's really a very important part of the global economy, the global network of commerce. And it does seem a lot of people must believe that they're deadbeat airlines. I was absolutely shocked at how well you handle even the uh, some who say we want a little forbearance. You make it very clear that, uh, no, you got to pay. And almost everybody does, correct? That's true. And these are very short term uh, uh, help that we gave primarily in like March, April and some of it into May. And then there's a quick payback. And obviously, the summer season coming with uh, greater scheduling, more frequency of flights, airlines will begin to generate a much higher volume of revenues. Uh, So we believe that the recovery will be a little quicker than some of these so-called experts have pronounced. Well, there is a so-called expert. The guy is the CEO of Boeing. I was getting pretty bullish about things. Then I saw him on the Today Show, and he made me think that my prediction that all the airlines would make it was wrong. And that one of them was going to go under. Now, I mean, does he have a book of business that's as uh, large as yours? Or maybe he's a neophyte? Well, no, Dave had a bad day. He had some aircraft cancellations of orders from a few airlines and a couple of leasing companies, uh, you know, moved back some of their order positions. Dave must have had a bad day and, and he was a little bit pessimistic. But I was up in Seattle yesterday with Boeing uh, management. And the mood is much more positive today than it was a week or two ago. Oh, that's good. They should they should uh, take some stabilizers there if they really have that kind of issue before they go on TV. Now, there's something before I get to how it's in good times, airlines need our aircraft and bad times, airlines need our balance sheet. I know, tell me if I'm wrong, but you're a 50 billion dollar platform, 50 billion. How many people yes. work at your company? One hundred and sixteen. Well, how is that possible? Well, we're very efficient. Uh, we have wonderful long-term multi-decade relationships with the airlines, with Wall Street, 
And uh, once the aircraft are leased and the airline takes delivery, it's a triple net transaction. The airline takes care of all the maintenance, the insurance, the operations, and we just sit back and collect the money every month. But periodically, people try to go up against you. There's always some guy who wants to crack it. And there's always some guy who seems to go under. Uh, it's anybody who's new. You pretty much have a, an amazing relationship both with the manufacturers and with the airlines. Well, in my career, I've bought more than 3,000 commercial jets uh, from Airbus and Boeing and Douglas and Lockheed and all these companies. Some are not even around today. So we have a tremendous amount of experience. Our team is seasoned. Most of our executives have been doing this for more than 20 years. We built solid long-term relationships with the airlines, with the uh, manufacturers, uh, with the supply chain, uh, with Wall Street. And I think that makes a difference. And in tough times, uh, the airlines congregate to a reliable partner like Airways. Well, I, I find the other, you know, this is not like a car buy versus a car lease. I don't really understand why would anyone buy a plane if they could lease it? Well, particularly now when airlines balance sheets are stressed, it's a lot easier to, to lease an airplane. I'll give you an example, a $50 million airplane. Uh, normally, if an airline buys it, they have to put up as much as 30% in progress payments or $15 million even before delivery. In our case, we take maybe uh, two or three months of cash deposits, uh, the first months in advance. And, uh, you know, it's a much easier way for an airline to get a modern brand new airplane. Now, uh, last thing I want to uh, t- touch on, your optimism is obviously you're a hard nosed business person. You're not op- your optimism is not necessarily based on, hey, I think the world's going to get better. You must be looking at specific things that tell you that the order books need to be fulfilled, that the planes need to be uh, need to be bought because traffic is coming back. Well, absolutely. Uh, traffic is coming back. Uh, and we expect the recovery to be uh, you know, regionally distributed. Uh, We see Asia is recovering fairly quickly. And uh, so things are going in the right direction. Well, you know, I'm glad I spoke with you. Uh, The executives, sometimes I get the executives who are too downbeat. And it is a pleasure to uh, have you back. You know more than everybody. That's that, you know, Phil LeBeau made me sure that I knew that, but I kind of knew that Air Lease and you are legendary. I want to thank you, Steve Udar Hazi, Executive Chairman of Air Lease. Thank you, sir. Great to see you. Thanks, Jim, and take care. Good luck to you. Okay, you too. Man Money's back after the break. Tonight on Markets in Turmoil. What the nation's recruiters are telling us about when hiring might pick up. Plus, the NHL commissioner and his plan to get his league back on the ice. And the challenges facing local business owners and how they're dealing with the uncertainty. All that is coming up next with Scott Wapner. Okay, Workday may be the most important quarter that we've seen other than Toll Brothers in the after hours. Toll Brothers will move all the housing stocks, but I think the Cloud Kings could have a very good day. Do not forget, Salesforce reports tomorrow, so it could be a nice bridge. I think the Cloud Kings are back, and just because they had a couple days off doesn't mean they're finished, okay? Workday, excellent quarter. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.
Jim Cramer, you're one of my heroes. I look forward to your show every weeknight. Thank you so much for helping beginning investors like me. When you talk about the market, I just believe that you're spot on. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Every night we watch you, I have learned and earned. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.